0: You can support this podcast on Patreon. Our Patreon supporters receive a wide range of benefits, including written content and access to our exclusive databases, including our 2020 FBS team profiles, which are updated daily based on injury news, position battles, playing time, and other info. Available in Tier 2 and up. Visit patreon.com slash Winning Edge to learn more.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It's College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge. I'm here with Xavier Trish as well. Follow him on the Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. For those of you wanting to follow us on Twitter, uh, I hated week five. I think you guys understand and know why. But uh, Nick, big takeaways from week five. What was what's the thing that jumps off to you immediately?
0: Well, I, I for the the first thing to me was that the the things at the top seem relatively stable. Clemson, Alabama are playing really, really well, even though, you know, Clemson didn't didn't completely blow Virginia out of the water like they could have potentially. Uh, Georgia played very well. I uh, was pretty impressed with Stetson Bennett. Is is uh, you know may have a, a hold on that quarterback job for for a while. Somewhat surprising. BYU continues to play like the best team in the country, at least as far as our team performance ratings go. They have been the best team in the country on the field. But then, you know, you start looking a little further down and there were some upsets. And, and of course, uh, you know, close close to your heart, Texas. Uh, but then at least you got a little bit of, uh, you know, felt a little better later in the evening once Oklahoma also went down. But uh, somebody in this group, when we didn't expect everybody would be playing, uh, had UCF in the college football playoff. And they go and lose to Tulsa for the <laughs> uh, second I year. Knew so yeah, I wonder who that was. the, I the
1: best team. record the of, of the we've, uh, uh, Oklahoma team.
0: I think so. we've lost that recording, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it 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 was a interesting. You know, as always, an an interesting week. There were some things we we expected coming in, and and you know, played out relatively uh, well compared to to what we expected, and then some other things, you know. Big surprise. How about Mississippi State, who, who knocked off the defending national champions in one week and then turn around and lose to Arkansas, who hadn't won an SEC game in two years. So, I mean, it's it's a bit wild, you know, just regardless. I think we're going to have some head-scratching moments every week. But, you know, on the whole, it was a, a, an exciting week, a, a fun week uh, with good games and, and, you know, big matchups. And it looks, you know, hopefully we'll have more of the same uh, coming up in, in week six.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned the uh, the craziness. And, yeah, I mean, look, 2020 has made the sports world really a uh, wild west uh, of w- what's going to happen. You know, we see the heat in the finals uh, in the NBA. No one expected that. Um, the, the weird bubble that's going, the Marlins are, are in the playoffs right now. Uh, I mean, they're not doing well against uh, y'all's Braves, but they're, they're – uh, they're in the playoffs and no one expected that. And, you know, it, it makes it, it makes this whole season almost kind of like, you know, even pre-BCS when just one played two. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the regular season matters so much more, it seems, this year uh, than it has in past years. But Xavier, your thoughts on uh what happened in week five and your biggest takeaways.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a fun year. I, I think that that's. Biggest takeaway number one, um, this weekend was just fun to watch. Uh, up and down, every hour or every hour slot just had really good games. Uh, you know, the 12 o'clock games were awesome. SMU versus Memphis was a really, really good game, and we kind of highlighted that at the end of last week's episode. Obviously, Georgia getting it done against Auburn in the most Georgia way possible. Awesome. Uh, the Big 12 is pretty much done, barring a team that I thought was going to be well last year in Oklahoma State, but it surprised me this season at 3-0, which is keeping the Big 12's hopes alive at this, at this current moment. Uh, obviously, UCF losing to Tulsa, another head-scratcher, what is going on there. It's just it's just a really fun crop of football that we have, but I think it's only going to get better as we add the big 10 and the pack 12, which are coming in, in in the coming weeks as well. Uh, with the big 12 coming in two weeks, correct? Or big 10 coming in two weeks. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And I think as we add in more conferences, it's just going to get wackier. So
1: yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a fun year for sure. And just going over those top 25 teams here, BYU beat Louisiana tech 45 to 14. Once again, Jesus. you know, uh, Nick, Nick talking about how BYU is putting their best performance on the field. That is for sure. Uh, number nine, Texas down to TCU, 33-31. Florida beats South Carolina, 38-24. to They're ranked number three. Uh, Missouri uh, lost to number 21, ranked Tennessee, 35-12. to uh, SMU beats the 25th ranked Memphis Tigers, 30-27. to Another upset. Uh, Cincinnati wins 28-7 over South Florida. Uh, I mean, we, we would have expected more out of Cincinnati, I think. North Carolina dodged a bullet against mm. Boston College, 26-22. Bama smacked down a 52-24. It was almost a perfect weekend. <laughs> like if Texans could have, uh, you know, bounced back and won against TCU, a losing, Oklahoma losing, that would have made my whole weekend, but no such luck. Uh, Oklahoma State much, looking much better against Kansas, 47-7. Uh, then Auburn... Uh, loses to Georgia on the road 27 to 6. Oklahoma, number 18 ranked, not on in the polls this week. Now, uh, 37, 30, and I think 20, sometime in 2018 was the last time they were not ranked. Oklahoma. Uh, LSU big over Vandy, 41 to 7, and Clemson, 41 to 23. Uh, like Nick said, probably not as close as that score indicates, though. So um, those were your top 25 matchups. Uh, of the week. And, um, you know, like I said, I was, uh, unbelievably disappointed, but what was, um, what did we learn the most out of some of these performances, Nick? What what would you say, uh, left out as far as I didn't know this going into week five. And now I know that.
0: Uh, I I think the first and foremost thing probably is Stetson Bennett at, at Georgia. I said here and, and, and the, uh, ITL CFF pod, you know, after uh, his performance against Arkansas, you know, it was great. He came to the rescue. I didn't even necessarily expect him to start this game, but uh, everybody basically around the program, you know, beat writers and, and uh, guys there, you know, on the ground saw this coming that that he basically had uh, proved enough to get a shot as the starter, came in, played really, really well. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's really easy to write off a guy who shows up as, you know, a walk-on or an unrated player, uh, you know, with the recruiting ratings and and things like that. Stetson Bennett uh, is a small guy, you know, under six feet, um, and that was a big part of why he wasn't uh, recruited very highly, but, you know, showed up at Georgia, went through the paces as a walk-on, went out to junior college, played well, got some scholarship offers. Georgia had an opportunity, uh, a need really, to, to bring him back for depth. And and even coming back, still didn't really expect him to, uh, you know, even get this opportunity. They talked about it uh, a lot on the broadcast that as early as, you know, September, or as late, excuse me, as September, uh, had, had a meeting with the new offensive coordinator there who said, you know, we don't see you as a starter. And, and, you know, here he is leading an impressive (laughs) win over a top 10, you know, rival. Yeah. Uh, Stepton Bennett uh,
1: starting for Georgia is the most 2020
0: thing. that could
1: have happened to Georgia. I think,
0: right. It's wild, but you know, he, he looked really good, looked in command of the offense. I mean, I, I, I still, you know, I don't know how high his ceiling is. I don't know how high Georgia's ceiling is, with him. But when you have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the country, when you've got a strong running game, when you've got, uh, you know, enough talent around him to make plays, he's he's good enough, at least right now, to, to uh, you know, lead Georgia to a win, an impressive win over a top 10 opponent. And and that that was maybe the most surprising thing. There were some other things that uh, you know, we had seen glimpses, Florida, we had seen glimpses of that offense. Kyle Trask had a really strong end to last year, had an excellent game in, in the opener against Ole Miss. I still was a little, you know, I I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure about Kyle Trask. He continues to go out and, and put up huge numbers and, and be very impressive. So, uh, you know, r- r- confirming things like that, uh, seeing Oklahoma lose back to back, that's that's big. I mean, Oklahoma still is our top-ranked Big 12 team, even though they've, they've tumbled a bit as far as team performance ratings go, coach ratings, all that.
1: I mean, that should uh, tell you everything you need to know about the Big 12 right there. I, you you know, know, it's a big where, part where, of it, yeah. Yeah, where Oklahoma loses two games in a row and they're still the top-ranked team in the Big 12, you know, it means that there's, not just mu- there's just not much to the
0: Big 12, in my
1: opinion, this year, sure. kind of the Pac-12 this year.
0: And, and, and there, uh, there are still very dangerous teams. I mean, Oklahoma State survived its, you know, very lackluster start against Tulsa. Tulsa, who, you know, maybe is better than we gave them credit for a few weeks ago. But uh, Iowa State, you know, did not. They, they fell out flat on their face losing to Louisiana. But they have a, a really, really strong team. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Louisiana is the best team in the Sun Belt. Iowa State can can still challenge in the Big 12. Who knows? There's still a lot of things that can happen. But, you know, there, there's not a uh, – at least as it stands right now, absolutely. I mean, there, there's not a playoff team in the mix unless Oklahoma State uh, or, or maybe, you know, maybe Iowa State runs the table from here on out and, and they get a little help from Louisiana maybe going undefeated or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the, just sort of some confirmation. We knew the Big 12 – Looked like it was in trouble. That's been confirmed. We knew Kyle Trask looked really good. That's been confirmed. And, you know, we we thought that Georgia was a, a SEC championship contender. Uh, quarterback was still a question, at least as of right now. You know, quarterback, maybe they've answered it a little bit.
1: Xavier, you look real smug right there. What's uh, what's your biggest, what did you learn the most uh, from week five here in college football?
2: Um. Mississippi State and Mike Leach is going to be a work in progress. Uh, that was my biggest surprise. Honestly, uh, after week one, I was I was sipping the tea. I was sipping that Mississippi tea and it gave me diabetes, you know, and, and right <laughs> away I realized that, hey, I cannot put all my eggs in one basket when it comes to my Mike Leach. I need to hold off. Give it some time, and although he does have a great quarterback in KJ Costello, that doesn't necessarily mean the offense is always going to click on all cylinders. Obviously, it didn't help that Kylan Hill got hurt in the game. Uh, Actually, both starting running backs went out in this game, Uh, but obviously Mississippi State really missed him down the stretch, especially on a couple of fourth down attempts. But that as well as I'm going to slow down the Stetson Bennett train. We're (laughs) going to slow it down just a little bit. Uh, if you look at the numbers, he's playing very much like Jake Fromm did last year. He's not doing anything impressive uh, at the moment. He's only thrown for three touchdowns in three games, or in two games, excuse me. He hasn't had a game where he threw over 300 yards yet. Let's slow our roll on that uh, just a bit. Um, but I will say a, a, a huge segue from that game was just how pedestrian Auburn was offensively. Uh, it was really they were really, really bad. I think they went three of eighteen on third down. It, it was just, and I know Georgia has a great defense, but at times it just didn't look like Auburn's offense wanted to move the ball or could uh, with a with a very, very bad offensive line, uh, offensive line play. So those were my two biggest takeaways. Auburn's bad offense and Mike Leach needs some more work.
1: Yeah, and I missed a couple scores here for some reason. Uh, just the app I'm using didn't put all of the top 25 scores in. Uh, you just mentioned Mississippi State; they lost to Arkansas, 21 to 14, and Pitt also lost their game against NC State, 30 to 29. So a couple more interesting ones. And then of oh. some of the. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought somebody said something. My hey,
2: hey, <laughs> it's time to panic. It's time <laughs> to panic. Hit the button.
1: Uh, Xavier is showing a post-it note that he wrote. I don't know if that if it said exactly what he just said, but he said it is time to panic if you're a and m. Uh, we talked, we, we 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 went a little in depth on the Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State game, and Western Kentucky uh, wound up edging that one out, twenty to seven. You know, Tulsa beat UCF thirty-four to twenty-six was the final in that game. I think was there any other games that we went over that we're missing here, Nick? What else um, is there? Anything else from Week Five? Or are we looking forward now?
0: I think I think by now uh, we we pretty much uh, you know uh, Week Five is, has been discussed. I, I'm I'm excited about what's on on deck here for Week Six. There's you know uh, part of it I guess is we're still a little bit of a limited uh, schedule, but and, and you know part of it's we're in the the heart of uh, conference play, but the, the early morning, you know, noon window, we've got two ranked versus ranked, uh, games plus Texas and Oklahoma. And so it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty packed, uh, Saturday slate pretty excited for it.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a fun Saturday for sure. Another one I got to wake up early for. I'm like three more weeks though. After (laughs) this, That's it. And then, uh, the, the time flip Arizona doesn't change. So I get an hour of sleep moving forward extra every week. I love that. But um, actually two hours because I get one for Saturday and one for Sunday. I like that. But um, we're going to have over at CFP Winning Edge, Nick, you you have put together uh, team previews and all that stuff for the conferences that are just about to fire up because we got their schedules. I think we're still waiting on the Mac. Didn't that just come out today as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the Mac announced its schedule today uh, since the last time. Uh, We recorded both the Pac-12 and Mountain West have uh, finalized their schedules. Those have been added into uh, the FBS team profiles with all the projected win totals, you know, game by game uh, projected point spreads. Uh, winning percentage probabilities and, and things along those na- uh, along those lines. So uh, all of that has been up to date. We're going through and, and uh, getting rosters as well uh, finalized, and, and we're finally starting to hear from you know, coaches and, and get some practice reports. It's starting to feel a little like, you know, fall camp time for uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12, Mountain West. Uh, and I'll get those max schedules done probably early next week, but we've still basically got at least a month until they kick off. So uh, not a, a huge rush there, but uh, soon uh, we'll be uh, coming to the end of, of uh, you know, having to update these schedules. It seems like we've done it a dozen times already.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got you. So uh, what did the um, well, what did the bets look like for week five uh, for CFP winning edge?
0: Yeah, it, it was a over, overall it was a modest week because we do uh, take into account every FBS versus FBS game, So we pick all of them against the spread using our official point spread projection. And we do uh, totals for all those games based on uh, our statistical stats only model. So modest week, right around 500 for all of those 25, 27 and two. Uh, and uh, you know that that's fine. We're still doing pretty well for the season. We're still uh, over fifty percent against the spread total, we're fifty six and a half percent on totals, which gives us fifty three point five percent overall, which we're you know happy with. If, if we're there or better, uh, that's good. But we drill down a little bit. We talk each week about uh, you know the the. Uh, talent edges. We talk about our uh, projected scoring margin, our stats-only model, and we talk about when all three of those agree uh, with our, you know, uh, our official projected point spreads. Those have been on fire, just absolutely, completely on fire. Uh, talent edges were 19 and nine last week, that's 68%. Stats-only model was 16 and 12 against the spread, that's 57%. And when all three agree, which we've run down, you know, at the end of each show the last few weeks, uh, those were 11-5, 68%. So uh, those three, you know, areas of of importance uh, have been doing incredibly, incredibly well. We're very proud of that. Hopefully we'll be able to continue. I don't necessarily expect we'll be able to hit it this high of a, a level for the remainder of the season. But so far this year in all games, talent edges, Uh, are 50 36 and two against the spread that's 58.1 percent so that's when we're just looking at who's got the most talent on the roster the most talent available we don't look at coaching we don't look at home field advantage we don't look at team performance just the roster Uh, then we throw that out look at stats only you know who over the last uh, five years we do a weighted uh, five-year average based on coaching history team history uh, coordinators all that good stuff we run all the numbers. Those are 54, 32, and 2, which is almost 63%. Uh, and then when those two numbers agree with our official uh, model, which which accounts for everything, coaching, team performance, we've we've now got uh, offensive line, defensive line performance numbers that are going in there based on uh, what's happened on the field this year. We throw all those together, and when they, they agree, it doesn't happen nearly as often, uh but those are 27 12 and one which is 69.2 percent which is uh pretty pretty nice start through five uh,
1: 70 percent
0: it's hitting 69.2
1: 69.2 <laughs> percent is hitting if you like money you should be listening to the all three agree just in my opinion
0: you well know, it, or maybe I maybe mean, at what point do you start to fade it because it's it's got to regress at some point right? I know I'm not a very good salesman when it comes to this, but I mean, look, I, I
1: understand your <laughs> trepidation because nothing hits at 70%. But how about ride the wave while it is? You know what I mean? Like no. it's it's hitting at that uh right now. So let's uh We've let, got let's got 12 of them again week.
0: this week. We'll talk about them at the end of the
1: show. Oof, 12 <laughs> this week. That, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So the more games this week two, but uh, uh I, I'm excited about it. So well, let's let's get in uh to week six. I can't believe it's week six already, Uh, but uh, we are in week six. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pick the first game this week. And I think it's because it's the most interesting one in my mind, Nick. It's Clemson at home, number one versus number seven, Miami. The spread is still Clemson big, 14 and a half. 63 is the over in this game. Uh, How are you feeling on this one, Nick?
0: This is obviously, I mean, you know, top 10 matchup, number one versus number seven in the AP poll. Uh, the, the game I'm most excited for next week, and we'll be looking forward to it all, all game. Miami seems to be, uh, you know, really seems to have taken a step forward, especially on offense. That's what we've been hoping, you know, that's what we've been waiting on for. Quite a while, and they seem to have gotten there. The move to Rhett Lashley as offensive coordinator, bringing in Derek King, who is a threat to run, who is uh, you know a better passer than maybe he gets uh, credit for all the time. Very, very excited about Miami, and and they're still playing you know pretty good defense. You know, Miami is a is a team that uh, has consistently underperformed its talent numbers, but. You know, right now they're playing like a top 20 team on the field. Seven is a little high, to be quite honest, as far as our numbers go. They're still 22nd in our overall power ratings. And and that does account for all 130 teams, which the AP poll uh, doesn't quite yet. So, uh, you know, that that evens out a little bit. But they rank 18th in team performance offensively. They rank 31st on defense, which is fine. There's still a little room for improvement there. Clemson is just as good pretty much as as they ever were. I mean, they, they are absolutely uh, clicking offensively. Trevor Lawrence is, you know, looking like a future number one overall draft pick. Travis Etienne had a couple of runs last week that just, you know, I just, I couldn't help but laugh just how he was running out of tackles and, and uh, scored, you know, it was one of those that uh, looked like a, a Texas or Oklahoma game where there are five guys around him and, and you, you do the the screenshot, how does this guy score a touchdown, and Travis City has scored a touchdown. So uh, it's, it's uh, you know, a, a, a big matchup, as big of a, a game as we have seen this year so far. Yeah. However, our numbers still – don't see it particularly close. I mean, we, we've been higher on Miami coming into the year. We were higher on Miami than a lot of folks out there. And I felt pretty good about that right now. It seems that the hype really has built for Miami and we're not quite ready to call them a top 10 level team yet. And, and our numbers uh, certainly don't reflect that. Two of our numbers actually call for Clemson to cover Easily. Our stats only model has Clemson as a 19 point favorite. Our official projection has Clemson by 22 and a half. The only close call here is our our talent edges, which see this as a five and a half or excuse me, four and a half uh, point spread if, if talent were the only thing we were to consider. So that was a little bit surprising to me to see it that big, but the way our, our official uh, model sees this game playing out is, is a pretty convincing Clemson win
1: uh, 38-17. Ooh, ah, what, do, what do you think of this game, Xavier? I mean, this one, That's a. it's a big spread for a team ranked in the top 10, but Clemson has been so dominant for so long. I don't know that it's that surprising.
2: It comes down to the offensive line. I, I've preached this for a very long time for Miami. I think genuinely this is the week where it shows if their offensive line has actually gotten any better. Yes, they've played well up until this point. They're the hottest team in the country for all of the media uh, right now. And I I genuinely think that, you know, they're a good ball club. I just do not think that they are ready to take that next step into a national championship contender. And we'll find out this week. I think Clemson is just not the team you want to see right now. If I'm Miami, if it was like week seven, week nine or ten, possibly, but as of right now, I just don't think this is a good matchup for them. I think Clemson's over, going to overpower them offensively, and it's going to make Darius King throw the football. And I think that that's the biggest issue that I have with this Miami team is I haven't seen them consistently throw the football downfield when they needed to. Darius yeah. King has been able to really do what he wants to do in the pocket runner they, they've been able to run the ball effectively really well all year however they have not been able to throw the ball effectively down the field consistently and with as potent as that Clemson offense is it's really going to put them in a place where they have to make plays to match that offense and I don't and Miami's defense hasn't shown me that they can compete at a high level yet they've been decent they haven't been great and I'm really uh, looking forward to this matchup it's going to come down to two things can Miami's DBs stop Trevor Lawrence and can Uh, Miami's offensive line, hold up the King. If they can do both of those things, it'll be a close game. If they can't, Nick's prediction is absolutely going to be correct, if not worse.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, this is the primetime game. I think this is the late one too. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see it. But uh, Xavier, your turn to pick a game. Which one are we looking at?
2: So I'm going to leave you Texas, Oklahoma, because I, I want to hear you talk about that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to be, uh, I just scroll by, North Carolina versus Virginia Tech. And I really, really like this matchup because of two reasons. Virginia Tech's defense has not been great this year. However, offensively, they've been really explosive. Uh, and North Carolina has really stumbled in pretty much every game this year. They Sam stumbled.
1: Howell looks terrible. I saw he's 0 for 10 on, yeah. pa- on passes 20 yards downfield or more.
2: Yeah, and, and they've kind of just been holding on for dear life the last two weeks, and it's really going to uh, be, once again, it's going to be an option for them to see if they can win against a good team. I think they've gotten lucky playing against Boston College. Uh, last week, they played a team that was clearly outmatched talent-wise, and they got away with that a lot. I don't think Virginia Tech's going to have their, they're going to have that same luck with a Virginia Tech team that's going to be well coached. Um, I really like VT in this game uh, to cover. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to pick them in an upset uh, because I do think North Carolina's talent will prevail at the end of the day. Uh, but if they start as slow as they have been and, and Virginia Tech can get that offense rolling, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Virginia Tech can uh, pull off the upset. But for as of right now, I'm going to go with North Carolina by three. Uh, I think it's going to be a really tight affair.
1: The spread is North Carolina by five, and the over/under is sixty mm-hmm. in this one. Nick, what do you think of North Carolina hosting Votech?
2: Yeah, this will this
0: will be a pretty uh, interesting game, and and you know, uh, very excited to have this uh, early in the day, as you guys mentioned. It, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, a quality matchup, and and Virginia Tech really, uh, you, you, we've got to give them credit. They have had more than a dozen guys out because of, uh, you know, COVID or contact tracing, whatever, uh, each of the last two games, their, their, their two games this year, uh, they've, they've been severely shorthanded and specifically in the secondary. And, and that's, you know, really one of the, the strengths on paper mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for this team is, is that defensive backfield and, and uh, they have, Performed really, really well. I mean, they, you know, Duke, yeah, ended up uh, putting up thirty-one, but you know, they got a a sort of a garbage-time touchdown late, and and Virginia Tech was was pretty much in control of that. You know, Virginia Tech hasn't even had their projected starting quarterback yet. This year, they, they've had uh, uh, Braxton Burmeister, the the transfer from Oregon, who we didn't expect would be playing nearly as much as he is, and, and he's done relatively well. And and uh, so Virginia Tech, you know, they, they've they've been able to get by against teams that uh, are not as talented on paper, but because they've been so shorthanded, whether it's through injuries, whether it's through uh, COVID-related, you know, guys having to miss, they've they've impressed me. And so I think that uh, once they get, you know, fully healthy, once they get a full complement of, of players, you have to think, OK, this is a team maybe that can challenge uh, Miami or Notre Dame for that number two spot behind Clemson. And, and uh, you know, North Carolina coming into the season, a lot of people really expected that to be their role. But you guys mentioned that that they've stumbled a little bit and, and they've uh, spent a lot of time watching because they had a couple of games canceled and and so there's you know some rust that needs to be addressed each time they take the field again how now we're seeing them back-to-back weeks you know i'm hopeful sam howell will bounce back play a little bit better but you know to be honest our numbers actually think that north carolina is playing better than maybe it looks like in the the traditional box score we have north carolina uh number six in our team performance Ratings. They've got almost a 92 rating. They're over 90 uh, on offense, which is uh, 16th, uh, and they are playing really solid defense. They're they're number seven in the country with a 94, uh, in the mid 94s uh, uh, defensively. So uh, they're a little bit better than maybe they look. You know, eye test wise, some of the the stats that we're digging into to to help us develop those uh, team performance ratings, things like you know. Uh, points per drive margin and, and, you know, early downs success rate and, and uh, you know, yards per play offensively, defensively, and, and margin. Those, those numbers are are what I'm referencing when I'm talking about our team performance and, and North Carolina, you know, they're, they're holding their own, but they're still, uh, we're very, you know, early on in, in the process for them and, and uh, they've had to knock off rust a, a couple of times in, in each of their games so far. So, uh, you know, long story short, these are teams that I don't think we've seen the best version of yet. And, and so I'm hopeful that we'll get to see maybe something a little bit closer to that for North Carolina. You know, obviously you mentioned, we want to see Sam Howell get back to, to the level that he was before. Uh, we also probably want to see Daz Newsom, who was, Pretty much a, a non-factor last week. Want to see him get back in action. He's only got three catches for 31 yards this year. Delmi Brown's doing quite well. Bo Corrales has stepped up a little bit. Uh, you know, In the, in the running game, uh, Carter and, and Williams are, are both performing Quite Well, but, you know, there's still room for improvement there offensively. And for Virginia Tech, there's still room for improvement on, on both sides of the ball because we just haven't seen them at full strength quite yet. So uh, all that said, you know, our, our numbers see uh, an edge on Virginia Tech. They are one where our, our, all three agree. Uh, we don't expect that they will pull off the upset, but, uh, none of our, uh, projection models has this, uh, any, any, uh, wider than a three and a half point margin. So, wow. uh, we're on Virginia tech uh, final score, uh, 31, 28 with North Carolina surviving, but, uh, mm. you know, based on what has been a pretty successful set of numbers so far, uh, expects a really close game.
1: And Hendon Hooker, uh, is full practice this week. He is good mm. to go. So that is, uh, good news for Virginia Tech, even though, like Me- uh, Nick mentioned, uh, Burmeister has been used more recently. But I think it was more because Hennan Hooker uh, had not – I don't think he had gotten in a full week of practice yet. So uh, excited to see if if he can get in the game. Uh, which one is uh, the first game you're going to pick, Nick?
0: Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that – the other big matchup and and probably the one everybody's going to be watching in the mid afternoon is, is Georgia and Tennessee. And, you know, what I am looking for and and probably most everyone uh, is as well is, you know, uh, what will we see from Stetson Bennett? Is he going to be able to carry over uh, what we saw uh, last week against Auburn? Is the offensive line going to continue to uh, play as well as it has? I, I, think, you know, pretty inexperienced unit, lost a ton of talent to the NFL draft last year, only brought one full-time starter back, but as a unit, it has played very, very well uh, so far. And, and, you know, we just ran the offensive line strength rating, so we'll, you know, fold in, again, a bunch of stats. Uh, The good folks at Football Outsiders put some some great stats together that we're able to convert uh, to our, uh, you know, VGR plus type uh, ratings and, and uh, PFF. We try to take, you know, a lot of great things that other people do and, and help uh, sort of fit it to our own numbers. And, and doing that Georgia so far has the seventh best offensive line in college football. I didn't necessarily expect coming into the game or excuse me, coming into uh, the 2020 season for, for that to be the case, especially. And they
1: lost big pieces. To yeah, the
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Auburn coming in appeared to be a very difficult matchup. Now Auburn has struggled, you know, across the line of scrimmage on, on both sides. So uh, maybe we shouldn't read too much into this quite yet, but Tennessee is is going to be a team that uh, will challenge Georgia because they are very, very talented, really on both sides of, of the line of scrimmage. But uh, particularly, you know, I think the defense is, has been a strength and and, you know, understandably so with Jeremy Pruitt being a defensive-minded head coach, but, uh, you know, how good is Tennessee? Early indication is, you know, maybe this is a team that finally will, somewhat similarly to Miami, live up to, you know, the, the talent ratings, kind of play up to that level or, you know, finally, you know, fulfill its potential. So I, I, I kind of, you know, I think both teams really do still have Some questions. This game is more interesting to me because I don't feel like I've completely figured either side out yet. There are still things that I want to see. You know, is this who Georgia really is? Or was Auburn maybe not as good as we expected? Is this, you know, Tennessee? Are are they ready to take that next step finally? Uh, Or you know, is this maybe just uh, uh, tempting us, teasing us a little bit like Tennessee has done in the past? So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't necessarily have a great feel for it. And, and our numbers don't, you know, really uh, see a, a big uh, advantage one way or the other. And it really, our, our numbers are kind of, you know, all over the place. From, from talent edge, uh, our talent edge numbers see it pretty close, three and a half points, Uh, Georgia being favored which might be a little bit of a surprise uh, because Georgia's been you know number one number two number three in recruiting ratings the last three or four years Tennessee has performed quite well but not quite up to that level I wouldn't necessarily expect it that close uh, on paper but uh, when we do stats only it's a double digit you know in in favor of Georgia and when we go put everything together it actually kind of gets up there a bit higher than I expected. Our official model uh, has Georgia as a 16 and a half point favorite, which which surprised me. These teams seem a little closer on even footing than that. So it's it's somewhere within that spectrum, and that's a pretty wide spectrum. Uh, if I were to you know pick a side personally on this, I don't know that I would uh, be willing to go – uh, you know, to, to lay the 12 and a half for Georgia. This seems like a single digit type game, you know, 10 at the at the most to me. But, you know, when when all of our numbers are, are thrown in there, they still, you know, see Georgia as the stronger team and, and kind of, you know, Tennessee's going to have to prove uh, to us for, for that number to change. They're going to have to you know, put it all together on the field and, and get a big upset win. But uh, the way our, our official projection shook out was Georgia 31, Tennessee 14. That seems, I don't necessarily agree, but uh, that's, you know, You
1: said 17
0: 31.
1: 31-14. 31-14. Yeah, 31-14. Okay. So
0: I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but we kind of have to go with what the, the numbers say and, you know, that, that's that's what it is our numbers are, are still very very high on Georgia especially defensively uh so yeah Tennessee's gonna have to to surprise us uh to, to close that gap
1: and look I'm not trying to be a Tennessee hater here but I mean when, cool. when well, I know you are uh, I know you are Xavier but what what was the last marquee Tennessee win because I'm looking back to last year they obviously the They should have beat BYU, but they lost that game in overtime. They lost that game to Georgia State. They played better in the second half, but they still, you know, they lost to Georgia. They lost to Bama. They barely beat Kentucky. They barely beat Missouri. This team doesn't seem to, until they break that hump and beat a team that we did not think that they had a chance to beat, I think it's just going to be take whoever plays against tennessee until that happens javier what are your thoughts on this game
2: yeah their last ranked victory they beat uh 12 ranked kentucky in 2018 that was benny snell and that was terry wilson's first year um so i guess that was their last big time win but right okay
1: that i mean that's a big time win they were ranked so Mm -hmm.
2: so and, and for me in this game it's it's Best against best, and who's going to budge first? When you look at Tennessee, you look at their first two wins, you see there's a, a reoccurring theme, and that's they're winning on the ground. Uh, you know, they're, they're heavily running the football against their first win against South Carolina. They run for over 100 yards against uh, Missouri last week. Once again, they ran for 200 uh, yards as a team. Uh, And there's a consistency there that running the football is the way that they're going to win games this year. They're going to do it with good defense and running the football. I don't think this is the game for them. Uh, This is not the team that you want to play if that's your if that's your calling card. Uh, Georgia against the run this year has been ridiculously great. Um, You know, and and as of right now, I think they lead the country in yards on the ground uh, allowed, as well as in points allowed and things of that nature. This is not the defense you want to come up against if you cannot throw the football and Jared Garantanos has yet to show that he can throw the football consistently. Uh, He has his moments. He has flashes of brilliance, but his issue is his lack of consistency. We saw it in their last quarterback in Josh Dobbs. They cannot find a consistent quarterback. Um, Even in both of their victories, he's only thrown for a touchdown in both, um, and, and he hasn't completed over 20 passes in either one of those games. So I think when you look at that, you look at Running game for Tennessee versus the defense of Georgia, and I think I just got to go with Georgia on this one. Uh, I think offensively, Georgia's going to have just enough in the tank. Um- Nick alluded to it, will the offensive line perform like they did against Auburn or will they perform like they did against in the first half against Arkansas? That's obviously going to have a lot to do, say uh, on how Georgia performs in this game. But when it comes to that Georgia defense, it's, they're always going to keep them in the ballgame. And it really takes one or two big plays by George Pickens or, or, or Matt Landers or you know Demetrius Robertson. I think this can blow this game wide open. And if this becomes a track meet, which is the last thing Tennessee wants it to happen, it's going to be a blowout. Um, I think Georgia wins this game pretty handedly off the back of a great defensive performance. I think they win it by ten points to two touchdowns. Uh, so I've got Georgia uh thirty-one twenty-one. If you're laying your cash against that fourteen and a half points where where you
1: because you said between 10 and 20 and that's where the line lies. So
2: I would go I, I would go with I the think
1: under. it's four, 12 and a half, excuse me, 12 yeah. and a half. Is so
2: the. I would go under 12 and a half. I don't think Georgia's offense has shown an ability to be to be that explosive yet. Uh, where the defense has shown an ability to be great. The offense hasn't shown an ability to put 30 40 points on a team just yet. Uh, so I would go with the under on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think I would. yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't expect Tennessee to win this game. But, you know, you know, at some point, Tennessee is going to start winning games. But of course, we've said we've said that about Texas, too, and it hasn't <laughs> happened. So uh, Texas, though, is still ranked and they are two and a half point dogs in the uh, you know, they play this game at the Cotton Bowl, uh, Texas and Oklahoma in the Red River uh, rivalry here. Seventy three is the over in this game. How are we looking at this one, Nick?
0: Uh, so late last show, uh, I, I talked a little bit in depth about some games that uh, where our, 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 talent edge number really differed from our other two projections. And, and uh, those were kind of interesting. SMU was one that they won outright when we showed a talent edge, that was, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a good thing to see, but, uh, you know, Texas Tech was in, a, in a, a similar situation. We thought our talent edge uh, went to the Red Raiders against Kansas State, and, and then obviously that didn't uh, quite play out. So, you know, th- those intrigue me when uh, we've got uh, two different models that, that say very different things, and, and that is, again, the case with Texas and Oklahoma. Our talent edge – model loves texas uh texas is from a, a talent standpoint uh the best team in the big 12 at uh the quarterback position at wide receiver along the defensive line and in the secondary now obviously on the field it hasn't quite worked out that way uh at least defensively texas offensively is is still playing you know pretty well still a top 15 unit uh they 13th actually passes that would help. But, you know, Sam Ellinger is uh, one of the best quarterbacks in college football, for sure, uh, is a weapon both through the air and on the ground. They've got depth at receiver. They, they've had some issues, obviously, some drops. They've had some injuries, uh, things like that. But, you know, Texas is, is going to put up points. Oklahoma, very similarly. You know, Spencer Rattler, you can see how, you know, you, you can see that he's going to be a great quarterback eventually. Uh, there are some plays that he just looks phenomenal. But, you know, taking Oklahoma down the field on on what is potentially either a game-tying or a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter two weeks in a row has thrown in an interception that sealed the game. So, uh, you know, Xavier has mentioned before that he really doesn't like giving Rattler specifically or, or you know, a, a, a freshman, a redshirt freshman, uh, such a heavy load as far as, you know, hey, go, go win us the game with your arm. And, and uh, I understand that, but, you know, that is sort of what Oklahoma is. And, and uh, Rattler is going to be, in my opinion, a, a very, very good quarterback soon. He's just still playing at, uh, you know, he's still inexperienced at the, at the college level. So he's made some mistakes. That's hurt Oklahoma. When will he put it together? Can he put it together as soon as this week? Maybe. And, and, you know, uh, I'm not saying it will happen and and I'm not saying that I would rather have Rattler than Ellinger, but it will click for him eventually. But uh, we we think that Texas is the most talented team. However, as I mentioned before, we think Oklahoma is still the best team in the Big 12 as far as all the numbers are, are, uh, you know, that go into our model. Uh, Many of them are. You know, talent related and, and past performance related. This year on the field, Oklahoma has not looked like the best team, obviously. I mean, they're, they're outside the top 25 in our overall team performance, they're 44th defensively. That's got to get fixed. They, they could potentially uh, take a step in the direction of fixing that. If Ronnie Perkins, it's it's been rumored, it's been reported, that his suspension uh, is going to be downgraded potentially. He might be available to play, was on the sidelines last week. Uh, the same is not true for Ramadre Stevenson or Trajan Bridges. But if they were able to get Ronnie Perkins back, he's one of the best uh, pass rushers at least in the Big 12 and and you know is an all-American candidate type guy. He's a 100-rated player according to our numbers. He's been very very productive as a pass rusher uh throughout his career. So if you throw him into the mix, then the Oklahoma defense at least, you know, can can uh has a you know, has some guy – has somebody that you are uh a little bit worried about if you are the Texas offense. So that that I think would would change things a bit. Uh, but because we don't know for sure yet if he's going to play or, or you know if he is going to play, if he would start, he's not really a factor as far as our numbers go, uh, as far as our projections, which still have Oklahoma favored. And our our official model has the Sooners almost a four-point favorite. Our stats-only model has Oklahoma as nearly a three-point favorite. Both of those would be covering the two. But like I mentioned, uh, our talent-edge model loves Texas and and has them as a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. So I don't have, you know, really a strong opinion one way or the other. I think this game is going to be incredibly interesting to watch. Somebody's got to win it, and whoever wins it (laughs) is still – you know, the, the favorite to get to the big 12 title. game, Uh, So I could see a scenario where either of these teams picks up a a huge win here. Uh, It's unfortunate that both are coming in off of losses, but now they're, you know, backed up and kind of have to fight for your life as far as winning a a conference title. So it's going to be a very, very intriguing game. Our numbers really don't know what to do with it uh, to be quite honest, but the way our, our official projection shook out was Oklahoma, Thirty-five and uh, Texas thirty-one. But I will say
1: that's also playing to the under.
0: That is, yeah. Our our numbers, the the uh, the totals have done well so far, but they are very much in the middle. There's going to be some tweaking. If it's a low number, we're over. If it's a high number, we're under. So I got to do some tweaking with those. But yeah, as of as of right now, it is uh, on the on the under. Uh, but Yes, I mean, it's it should be a close game, but I will say also the last two years, we had a pretty big uh, edge for Oklahoma, and obviously Texas uh, has uh, done better, has, has covered the last couple of uh, games. So uh, this game has been tricky for our numbers, but we still see uh, Oklahoma as a, a slight favorite, but uh, to, to get back maybe on the right track with a win.
1: Uh, Your thoughts on this one, uh, Xavier, this is, you know, obviously I'm a little too close to this, uh, but what, what are your thoughts on this one in 2020?
2: Something's got to give. I I mean, one of these defenses has got to get multiple stops. Who's it going to be? I have no idea. Uh, I, I thought going into last week against Iowa state, we would see a more concerted effort to stop the pass from Oklahoma. And I was right. But then they let Brees Hall run for almost 200 yards. The week before that, they let Skylar Thompson almost throw for 400. You've got Texas, who in back-to-back weeks have allowed their, their opposing quarterback to look amazing at times in the game, and they it made, it made Max Duggan look like a Big 12 Player of the Year candidate. And it, they
1: did last I, year too,
2: on the ground and through the air. So yep. I, I'm so confused as to what defense I can rely on. I don't think I can rely on either one, but. That means I have to go to the offense. And I think I can rely more on Sam Ellinger than I can on Spencer Rattler at this moment. So I'm going to go with Texas. I think Sam Ellinger is the guy that has the experience. Yes, it's not a normal Red River rivalry in that, you know, the fans will not be split half and half. It's not going to have that same raucous environment that he might be accustomed to. But that's going to be a plus for him, as I think Spencer Rattler has been rattled in the first two games, regardless of whether there's been fans there in a full capacity or not. I'm really concerned still with their inability to run the football con- uh, consistently at Oklahoma. Uh, Spencer Rattler being given the reins as much as he has really concerns me as I think that Texas is going to put up points against the Oklahoma defense and can Oklahoma keep up. They're going to make him throw another 40 passes. And I think he's going to throw some dumb interceptions being as young as he is. <laughs> and, and I just think at the end of the day, Texas is not going to have nearly as many mistakes as Oklahoma will. And I think that's going to be the difference in this week's game. I've got Texas by a touchdown. I think it'll still be close. It might be ugly at points, but I think Texas will pull it out behind a great performance from Sam Ellinger. I think Spencer Rattler will once again show why you don't have a freshman quarterback throw for 35-plus times in a ballgame ever. Just don't, just don't do it. I get yeah. that Oklahoma, Nick, but you don't do it. Give the ball to the guys behind them. They're on scholarship, too.
1: Yeah, I, I I understand where both you guys are coming from, and look, Oklahoma's won four of the last five. So, you know, uh, I I I I get that. You know, the the prediction model says Oklahoma, and I get Xavier saying Texas. I, I'll say I'll just go with the more senior quarterback in this game, and that is Sam Ellinger. Uh, but you know, if he was the less senior quarterback, I would probably still go with him because I'm a Texas mark and can't get away from it. But uh, Xavier, uh, what's your second game here?
2: Yeah, so we're gonna stay in the state of Texas and uh, we're gonna go with Florida at AM. Uh for me, this is a big, big game for AM. This really makes or breaks their season. Uh, you know, they've taken it on the chin the last two weeks. And it's uh, or, or the last week, excuse me, and it really doesn't bode well for them for the rest of the year. if They continue to take this kind of uh, take this on the chin. Uh, you know, they've got Mississippi State next week. We, we don't know what they are as of right now. But this is really a, a great game to see where Texas A&M are. Are they going to be a team that's going to be in the basement or are they going to be one of those mid-tier teams that Texas a and kind of always sits in uh, for Florida? Kyle Trask, this is the best defense you've played so far. Uh, This isn't a quote-unquote cupcake, as maybe South Carolina and Ole Miss were defensively. I'm really excited to see what he does. Um, Florida is not a good team on the ground. They're just not. They haven't been for the last couple of years. And I think that that's going to really hurt them in this game. They're going to have to have balance against an AM and defense that has a really good secondary. That's the best part of their secondary, uh, of their defense, excuse me. And they're going to have to show their ability to run the ball, whether it's with Trask, Henry Jones, uh, Damian Pierce, somebody's going to have to get that started for them uh, in this game. For me, I still like Florida because AM offensively has been really pedestrian, even against uh, Vandy to start the year off. And I don't think that that changes against a Florida defense that's consistently getting to the quarterback. And it's uh, making trouble, making havoc in the backfield. I, I got Florida by 10 points. I think AM will put up a better fight than they did against Alabama. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have enough talent going down the field uh, against a Florida defense that's going to really make Kellen Mond make some great throws. So I've got AM. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I... – I got Florida. I'm
2: sorry.
0: <laughs> I confused myself. Sorry. I have Florida. <laughs> yeah, th- this is, this is uh, another, you know, Rank versus rank matchup, of course, is is always going to get our attention. It's certainly one that uh, I, I expect to learn more. You know, I, I expect to learn more about Florida. You you mentioned it. This is the best defense that Florida will have faced. Uh, South Carolina has some guys that that are very <laughs> talented, could play a little bit, uh, and, and at times, you know, made made life a little difficult for. Kyle Trask, but Texas A&M, at least as far as the front seven goes, their secondary has been hit hard uh, by defections, by by guys uh, opting out, and, and things like that. But uh, for the most part, you know, Texas A&M is very talented up front. They haven't necessarily played like that quite yet. I mean, the, mm-hmm. defensively, they're forty first in our uh, defensive team performance. Ratings. Uh, their defensive line ranks 36th on the field so far. Uh, has you know has struggled on on the field, and and playing last week against Alabama obviously is gonna gonna hurt. But uh, when we look at just our talent numbers, this is still a team with top 25 talent at all three levels. Their defensive line ranks 25th in our our uh, talent only numbers. The linebackers 18th, and the secondary still 12th. Even with losing all those guys. Still ranks 12th uh, on paper. It's just, you know, can the offense take a step forward? You expect Florida has looked quite susceptible defensively this year. Uh, they don't rank much better in our defensive team performance ratings. On the defensive line, it's almost a mirror image. Uh, they rank 37th in our defensive line strength metrics and our defensive uh, team performance. They rank Forty eighth, So even worse uh, by one spot than, than Texas A&M. So this game could be a shootout. And, and so far, the Texas A&M offense hasn't quite, you know, looked like it's capable of keeping up in that kind mm-hmm. of environment. We expect Kellen Mond, you know, should be able uh, to, to play better. We we have seen you know Anaya Smith has looked great in flashes uh, coming out of the backfield for Texas A and M. We expect more from Isaiah Spiller. We expect you know it was good to see Jalen Wademyer, the tight end, have a good game against Alabama. But somebody's got to step up at wide receiver to, to really you know threaten a, a defense. And and will we see that this week? Will we see you know Demond Damas, the five star? wide out, maybe take a step forward where we see somebody like Jalen Preston or Cam Brown, Caleb Chapman, somebody step up and, you know, become a go-to guy for Kellen Mond because he needs one. So uh, this, you know, I I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit, but this game interests me most because uh, I'm excited about what I can learn about both of these teams because I do really think what I've seen so far from Florida, I think the defense will get things figured out uh and and i think that they're going to be fine on that side of the ball i what i've seen offensively is a team that can challenge georgia for for the east title that can you know give alabama or or whoever comes out of the west a game in the sec championship game so this you know is another. This will be the best defense Florida has faced if they continue to look as good as they have. Kadarius Tony looks like the the weapon that he's looked the last couple of weeks. If Kyle Pitts continues to look like the best tight end in college football, if that running game can take you know another step forward, I think they're going to be fine. I think they've shown some improvement running this year, but you know not quite enough for what we would like to see. If this really is going to be a team that can win an SEC title, but uh, you know, our our numbers are fairly, uh, fairly close on this one. Uh, We do have Florida as nearly a full touchdown favorite in our official model. So it's not a situation we're all agreed when we put out our, our uh, official picks to our, our patron's, this morning we did have Florida covering six and a half officially, but the talent edge model sees it closer, sees it as less than a, a field goal difference. The stats only model sees it as a you know more three and a half. So uh, the two scenarios think that that Texas A&M can cover, but uh, officially we're going with Florida thirty one, Texas A&M twenty four, which. Seems a little lower scoring than I might expect. I might bump that up. Maybe a a field goal each. Uh, Actually, the
1: The line is, if it didn't get mentioned here, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Nick, but the line that I see is Florida minus six and a half, so -hmm. that just under seven is perfect. Yep. And then the over under is fifty seven, and that 34-21 is fifty five. So right, that's right. Really, I mean, you're right on on it right there. So
0: yeah, it's it's very you know we we see it playing out very similarly to the way the the market and the odds makers do for sure. Uh, very very small you know margins there. My personal opinion, just looked at looking at how these teams have fared defensively this year. Uh, I, I could see a little bit higher scoring. Matchup, but also you know maybe Texas A&M uh, just ran up against uh, an elite elite offense last week in, in Alabama. So you know maybe maybe that's a factor there. But uh, that yeah, officially we're on Florida, but but just barely. And stats only and, and talent only really like uh, A&M to to keep it a little bit closer. So uh,
1: all right, and what's your your last game of the week here, Nick? Ooh,
0: so. Uh, for me, let's see. I, I, my, my computer has been a little bit wonky, so I had to close, had to close some windows here. And I (laughs) didn't, I didn't think ahead well enough to have a a second game in mind. So, well,
1: there's some good ones.
0: I've I've got an idea for
2: it. Go go for it. All right. And I just want you to talk about them because you slandered them last week. Uh, we got Mississippi (laughs) state at Kentucky. Uh, Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Nice. God yeah. I like it. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll go. I guess I'll go ahead and go. Uh, Kentucky for me is the best. 0 two team in the country. Uh, they they've got to figure it out this week because their schedule doesn't get any easier. After this week, they play Tennessee, and after that, they play Georgia. So if they're gonna get a win, it's right now. Um, you know, and Mississippi State's obviously coming off of a head scratching game against. Uh, Arkansas where they had a lot of turnovers really sloppy play on offense um especially with the way they drove the football down on uh Arkansas several times and couldn't finish the drive we had interceptions we had fumbles we had fourth down uh uh, failed fourth down attempts we had it all uh and a Kentucky team that has really just it's a tough place to put it they Miss an extra point in overtime against Ole Miss. We don't know where that game goes if they make it. Uh, But against Auburn, they look better than what the final score indicates. I'm really trying to figure out where this Kentucky team is, and I think this is a good – and I think I'm trying to figure out where this Mississippi State team is. And I think this is a really good week for both teams to to make a case of being in that mid-tier SEC uh, and not being a basement team this, for this year. Uh, I think it's going to come down to whether or not Kylan Hill can play, because if he can, that really makes Mississippi State uh, a formidable team in this in this case. And I think that gives them a better edge if he's able to play. If he's not able to go, that puts it on the back of KJ Costello, and I don't know what he's going to look like in week three of his uh, Mississippi State career. Uh, on the opposite end, Terry Wilson has looked just as bad as Nick said he was going to be, uh, and, and that offensive line, however, has looked just as good as advertised. Uh, so I think, At the end of the day, I'm going to go with Kentucky. I think they're going to get their first win. I I think that they are going to, uh, you know, get it at home. I think that's going to help them out as well. But overall, I think that they are the better team defensively, and they'll be able to contain KJ Costello, especially if Kylin Hill is not able to go. They're going to be able to do what they need to do.
1: Nick, what are your thoughts? on This is such a good game to pick because we've seen – you know Kentucky looked good but not get a win yet but Mississippi State looked amazing and then terrible mm-hmm. uh, in back to back mm-hmm. weeks so where where are we going in this Kentucky Mississippi State game
0: Yeah this is a good one and I'm I'm glad you picked this one because this is one where all three of our models agree it's actually oh. one where uh, you know one of two this week where we think the wrong team is favored so uh those so far this year are uh, let's see, we, we were two and one last week, uh, and, uh, are now, uh, four and, and, uh, Four and two on those this year, so so pretty good start. With when we think the wrong team is favored, there's only two of them on the the slate for us this week, and this is one we think Mississippi State should be favored, and that is maybe it was a, a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought Kentucky probably was rightly favored here, uh, pretty close to two points last time I saw, but uh, went through the numbers. We 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 ran uh the the numbers indicate you know Kylan hill being questionable to doubtful so he's he's factored in but we have him uh basically listed as a co-starter with Jaquavius Marks uh so it, it dropped that unit down significantly from you know the fourth uh, best in, in college football to uh closer to you know 10 11 12 as far as the the ratings go so it took a little bit of a hit there we don't expect Mississippi State to be full strength because that hit looked you know looked pretty bad for, for Kylan Hill. It was good to see him on the sidelines and, and, uh, you know, seem to be with it afterward, but, uh, he was very woozy getting up. And, and, you know, when you see something like that, I personally, you know, just, just sort of in the immediate aftermath, not being a doctor, not being close to it made me think, okay, he might not be back next week, so right. uh, I, I think maybe we'll see him play. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to bounce back. Hopefully, it you know was not as bad as it looked uh, at, at you know the first uh, first glance. But um, I would not be surprised if, if Mississippi State has to play without Kylan Hill this week. That obviously would hurt, but we still uh, would expect Mississippi State to be favored even without uh, Kylan Hill. So our our projected point spread is, is Mississippi State by about a point and a half. Uh, from the talent edge standpoint, we have the Bulldogs favored by over four points. Our stats only model still has or, or actually has Kentucky as a one point favorite. But even that is within uh, the two, you know, official spread that that we went up against uh, earlier this morning when we released these to patrons. But, uh, you know, we, we've talked about Kentucky each week. Uh, so far, and, and understandably, they are a difficult team to play. I, I've said to you guys before in, in uh, the group text that, you know, even an 0-2 Kentucky still probably, I think, will ruin somebody's season. You know, right. who's who's it, it going to be? Are they going to uh, jump up and, and beat Tennessee or Georgia or Florida? You know, that, that wouldn't shock me for them to beat any of those three teams and and for that to be the loss that knocks, you know, whatever team out of the uh, SEC title race. So, you know, uh, Kentucky is is a very tough out. Xavier mentioned the offensive line has been great. They now have Joey Gatewood eligible.
2: Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: You know, Terry Wilson did some impressive things, had a a solid game against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not a very good defense. Auburn, after seeing them another week, maybe – has taken a step back defensively. So, you know, I, I don't know if I've got a great read on, on Kentucky. They do, you know, uh, Kivasi smoke is uh, out this week with a rib injury. So that's a, a bit of a, a, a blow, even though AJ Rose, Christopher Rodriguez and Terry Wilson all ran for over hundred yards last week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I've said it before. Our, our numbers just don't love Kentucky and, and, We've been correct thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think with this matchup, or this matchup makes me think of of some other things that I'm kind of hopeful for, our numbers don't overreact, which I like. they They don't move very far very quickly. Even you know BYU, who basically is has got a perfect almost team performance rating so far. Uh, they've moved from the 50s into the 30s like we're not putting BYU as a top 15 top 10 type team and and I like that I mean you you have to play perfectly to, to move up you know 10 or 12 or, or 20 spots in our numbers because I, I think that's a good thing I think that out there you know the markets uh, the the public uh, odds makers to a certain degree can over, rate a team after one good or two good performances, I think we do a little bit better job, hopefully, I, I, this is correct, of, of uh, you know, not not overreacting. So eventually, if Kentucky were to lose this game, eventually we might start talking about Kentucky and how our numbers love them, you know, this week, because the, the spread, you know, the odds makers, maybe everything flips and Tennessee's a two-touchdown favorite. Well, right now we see that as a five-point. Uh, you know, gap. Right now, we see Georgia as a 17-point favorite. We still have Kentucky favorite over Missouri, over Vanderbilt. Uh, we see two touchdowns against Florida. So, you know, there's a there's a, a scenario where an 0 and 3 Kentucky team goes in as a heavy underdog the next two weeks, and we like Kentucky to cover. So, uh, I'm I'm hopeful that's going to be the situation here. But again. On the other hand, hopefully we're uh, still on the the right side of this and and Kentucky is maybe still uh, a little overrated as far as the market goes, at least compared to our numbers. Because our our final score, uh, you know, hard-fought game, close game, but we have Mississippi State winning 28-27. And and, uh, even a a shorthanded Mississippi State team, hopefully KJ Costello will look a little bit more like he did two weeks ago uh, compared to, to what he looked like last week against Arkansas. Uh, but, yeah, we, we think that, you know, the, the Bulldogs can get back in the win column, get it done, and, and pull off another upset.
1: All right. So now why don't you tell us, Nick, about the all three agrees for week six here.
0: Yeah, so these have, have been good for us. You know, as we mentioned, they're over 69% against the spread, which is absolutely not sustainable so uh do keep that in mind we, we we feel very proud of how it's worked out uh it, it's been good to us but uh do keep in mind eventually things will will uh hopefully not completely even out but things probably will regress a little bit if these were to hit it you know 55 56 percent for the full season i would be absolutely ecstatic uh the good thing is uh, we can't fall below 50% this week because they're only 12 and, and we're, what, 14 games over 500. So uh, happy about that. But uh, pretty quickly, uh, Friday night, Louisville and, and uh, Georgia Tech, uh, we see a, a pretty big edge. This is one of the, the ones our, our uh, overall model uh, really sees an edge on Louisville. They're, they're a four-point favorite when we locked it in. Our official projection has it closer to ten and a half. Talent edge and stats models see it more like uh, a full touchdown. So we're on Louisville there. Uh, feel pretty good about that. Virginia Tech, we mentioned, uh, that's an all three agree plus five and a half. Uh, every single week we've been on Louisiana Monroe. Uh, and last week it worked out fine. They, they played uh, a really tough uh, game against Georgia Southern. We've got 19 and a half to play with this week against Liberty. That seems, that seems about right. Our, our official projection has an 18 and a half, uh, which is, is uh, pretty big, but talent edge is less than half a point to Liberty's favor. So uh, on paper, these teams are, are pretty evenly matched. So I feel decent, still don't love it because Louisiana Monroe has been arguably the worst team in, in college football this year. Uh, but you know, a and a half. I, I feel fine about NC State. I actually really like this NC State plus nine and a half against Virginia. Uh, our our model, you know, I, I think has a uh, Virginia figured out a little bit better this year than it did last. But uh, we're we're still you know uh, NC State we, we think can can hold uh, hold serve at least well enough. Last week we were on NC State heavy against Pitt. That worked out. Uh, stats model has it about a field goal difference. The talent edge is, is about a field goal difference uh, where NC State's actually favored by a field goal if we were to look at talent only. So uh, that's not much of a surprise. Virginia is the least talented team in the ACC according to our numbers. So they are not going to have a talent edge uh, very often. Actually, I should take that back. They, they are the second uh, least talented. They will have an edge against Wake Forest next week, and then that's it. So, you know, Virginia is going to be at a talent disadvantage. They've done really, really well under Bron- Bronco Mendenhall, especially the last two years of playing, you know, at a higher level than that. But uh, we we still see NC State covering our projection hazard at, at closer to eight. So uh, feel decent about that. We're going to be betting against BYU every week. From <laughs> here on out, because they are a 35 point favorite. It was 34 and a half uh, when we locked it in. Our our numbers are much much lower. I mean, 24 and a half is our official model, and that, like I said, is with BYU having basically a perfect team performance rating, and and talent edge is is about a touchdown. Stats only is 17. So uh, we see a, a huge huge edge. I mentioned last week we saw a huge, huge edge uh, for Louisiana Tech. Obviously, that didn't work out. So uh, BYU might just be a team that our model you know, might just be an outlier. They might just be so much better than our numbers can catch up with. That happened with LSU last year. Is that BYU this year? I don't know, but expect them to be on this list, this list every week until they you know, slip up and lose a game or, or uh, start to play a little bit closer to uh, the way we expect. Another, uh, the next three are very, very close. Uh, I feel less confident in these because the numbers are, you know, we're talking percentage points, but they still fit the criteria. Uh, Texas Tech plus 12 and a half against Iowa State. Uh, Boston College plus six against, who are they playing? Boston College and uh, Pitt. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we have that closer to a field goal. Boston College actually, uh, we think our, our stats only model has Boston College actually favored by a point. So uh, that one, I guess I feel a little bit better about. Kansas State plus eight and a half, I don't feel great about because uh, our official projection is actually TCU favored by 8.45. So that one only meets the criteria by uh, five one hundredths of a point. Uh, Southern Miss, For the second straight week, we think uh, it is, uh, you know, all three agree, two and a half uh, against FAU this week. Uh, That game is one that could severely be impacted by weather. There are a few of those. Looks like it's going to be playable, but, you know, FAU might be playing in heavy rain for the second straight week. Florida State plus 21 against Notre Dame. I don't feel great about that because Florida State has looked really bad. And our official projection is actually Notre Dame by 20.87. So don't love that. The talent edge is really close. Florida State, as we've said many times on paper, is is a very talented team. But uh, even the stats model actually has this as double digits. So uh, that's maybe a little wider than I would have expected. So I I think Notre Dame might blow them out. But maybe Florida State – you know new quarterback in there this week. Uh, Jordan Travis getting the start, Third quarterback to start already this year. Maybe they'll be able to to take a step in the right direction. Mississippi State plus two, we mentioned. Western Kentucky plus seven against Marshall. That number opened at two has ballooned uh, to Marshall being favored by seven. Uh, we're on we're on Western Kentucky. And, and Marshall hasn't played in a couple of weeks. They might be a little bit rusty. Our stats model actually has. The Hilltoppers is a one-point favorite, uh, and our uh, official projection is four. So feel decent about that one. This one, though, I do not. This one is the weirdest. There are two two projections that were really, really weird to me when they came out. Uh, one, this is off-topic because this is our, our numbers are all over the place, but officially we've got USF as a 10-point favorite over East Carolina, which is – really strange. We talked last week briefly about how East Carolina was an all-three favorite, uh, wrong team favorite over Georgia State, and it did not play out that way. Georgia State looked much, much better. That Georgia State defense played surprisingly well. But, uh, yeah, so the talent edge we give to Eastern Carolina, East Carolina, so that it's just a huge spread. Don't don't like the, the range of outcomes there. So that one was the most surprising. Second most surprising, our numbers think North Texas should be favored over Charlotte. And Charlotte is a 3-point favorite. We've got North Texas winning that one 34 to 30, which just seems weird to me. I did not expect that, but you know, sometimes weird outcomes have, have been uh, okay for us. And then uh, Missouri, I think this line is still 20 and a half. That game is, has changed venues. It was originally in Baton Rouge. It's now in Columbia. Uh, it's also changed times. They moved it up to 11 a.m. local time, which, you know, can can be a little sleepy. Sometimes uh, that works out for the underdog. We're hopeful that's the case because our numbers think that this should be much closer to a two-touchdown uh point spread than the 20 and a half. That's what it was when it was uh, first listed or or last listed when we released it. So, uh, you know, uh, a bit of a wide range. I I don't feel great about all of them, but those numbers have have hit really, really well so far. Uh, So hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll continue to to go along at at over 50%. Over 55 would be great. 69 is unsustainable, but uh, that's what it's been so far. So, you know hoping
1: for yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and look, there's uh we we have a couple of possible cancellations still this weekend. I mean, LSU and Missouri did get moved because of Hurricane Delta. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. saw uh, Louisiana, Lafayette and um, Coastal Carolina moved to next week because of the hurricane. And then uh Joe DeSalvo from the CFF site, he lives in the New Orleans area, so I think he's been on top of this story, obviously, but he tweeted out a list of games that can still be affected. FAU is at Southern Miss, uh, Alabama is at Mississippi, and UTEP is at Louisiana Tech. So hopefully, um, you know, these can get moved uh, to a different venue or time or date or whatever uh, to let the hurricane pass as it is expected to make, uh, you know, U.S. landfall. I think it's already hit Mexico a little bit, but. It's supposed to hit U.S. landfall on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. uh, so early, early in the morning. So uh, hopefully we won't have to deal with that, but it, it's something that, uh, you know, we are going to have to deal with at some point. Right. So um, go ahead, Xavier.
2: I was going to say, and I'm not laughing because of the storm.
1: No, of course not. Yeah, no. Uh,
2: it's just Louisiana. By the way, it's not, yeah, it's no I know, longer. I
1: know, but when I say Louisiana, I know,
2: I know. They, they sent me an email regarding their name because my edit, my sports editor put Louisiana Lafayette when we played them week one, and we got a very,
1: uh, we're just Louisiana now,
2: yeah, like, yeah, yeah, very disagreeable email from him, very heartfelt about being just Louisiana. Okay, he, well, if you're something for
1: 150 <laughs> years, right, and then now you change it. Like I you know, don't don't send a crappy letter. Like I get you send an email or whatever, but but don't don't be, you know, like when you remember when the Rays got rid of uh Devil Rays, because that's what they were when they first mm-hmm. started. They would find people, like they would fine you a dollar if you <laughs> said devil rays instead. So
0: um there's but. still Lua U L Lafayette in our team profiles because uh everything and all of our pages is connected and, and yeah. uh, to uh, one page where everything is alphabetical, and that would completely throw things off if I changed it to Louisiana. I try to, to yeah. change it, uh, you know, on 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 things where it doesn't impact uh, any of any of that, but there's still UL Lafayette officially for us. So right, right,
1: that. it was Monroe
2: and Lafayette,
1: like that's what we had. So <laughs> you can
2: send the email to Nick. Nicholas Ian Allen is where you can see in that email too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. So remember, you can follow us on the Twitter machine at Bogman Sports for me, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. And good luck in your bets. Hopefully you guys are not in the path of this hurricane. Stay safe if you are, and we will see you next week, everybody. Take it easy.
0: You can support this podcast on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge and pledge as little as $5 per month to support the show and receive access to written content each week, including our matchup graphics, talent edge projections, and winners, all published before the podcast each week.